AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Hey, Michael, I, I heard you have a, a story about a new SMB vulnerability you wanted to share. Yeah, I mean, this one's interesting. Uh, it's, it's from a multi-part blog series from ZecOps, uh, where they talk about this new SMB flaw. Uh, they dubbed it SM Bleed. Uh, it's CVE 2020-1206. Uh, and it's a flaw in the SMB version 3 uh, decompression function. Uh, and they talk about how it's you know, vulnerable to overflow. They go through some, some proof of concepts for denial of service. So if essentially, you're, you're basically blue screening the, the machine. Uh, but they also talk about how you can do local and remote uh, code execution attacks. Um, so they kind of go through a kind of excruciating detail, right, on SMB, the, the protocol itself, specifically how you can craft requests to cause the various uh, scenarios where you go in overflow and how you can access specific memory. Um, again, if you're doing authenticated on the host or if you're doing it authenticated via requests, it's got a severity score 10 from CISA. So the U.S. Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency. So it's it's uh, fairly serious. Um, and again, really interesting, certainly if you like looking at detail, uh, if you're familiar with the protocol or if you, you want to see exactly how you could uh, exploit this. Again, they have links to proof, uh, proof of concept, um, you know, code out on GitHub. So um, definitely an interesting read. Um, they do talk a little bit about remediation. Uh, so what do you do? Uh, like usual, you should always have the latest patches uh, that they recommend. Um, you could also block uh, port 445 if you don't need it. Um, and they talk a little bit about how you can disable version uh, 3.1.1. I think they say it's a little bit involved with some kind of hidden registry keys. Um, but, you know, again, kind of like we, we typically say, um, you know, make sure that you're staying patched um, with the latest you know, Microsoft updates that, that protect you from, from these kind of late breaking uh, vulnerabilities and bugs. Very good. Yeah. And, and I, I think this vulnerability, they, they spent a, a long time trying to make it an RCE, right? But before they, they were able to, to use it as a privileged escalation uh, vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about, it's actually interesting too, if you see this kind of how the, they progress, right? So like you said, initially they, they talk about just denial of service, right? So you can just, you know, you access some random memory, it crashes the host and they theoretically you could do, um, you know, a, a RCE and they, they kind of talk through it, how at first, you know, it's, it's based on, you need some kind of authenticated user, depending on where you're going to access, how it flows through the, the protocol. And then ultimately they prove out this non-authenticated uh, RCE. So yeah, it's interesting how it just progresses from simple to kind of getting to, uh, to that, that goal of, of having that remote RCE. So it's, yeah, definitely, like I said, very detailed, um, you know, if you want to, to dig into if you're curious about SMB internals, right, and how how it it, it verifies requests from the uh, from the requester, it's uh, it's definitely an interesting blog. Yeah, and it's amazing how you know people keep finding vulnerabilities in SMB. It's a protocol that has been uh, you know in Windows for decades. That code base probably has been audited, you know, like by thousands of people, and and they keep finding vulnerabilities, and that proves that. You know, when the code base is so big and there's so much functionality, it's really hard uh, to have, you know, something that is flawless. And especially, you know, at, at least we know that it took them a while to actually create a, a working exploit for an RC. And, you know, that says a lot about the amount of effort that Microsoft, you know, put in Windows in terms of mitigations to avoid, you know, making the exploitation easy because it used to be much easier than this, right? Maybe 10 years ago, this will have taken a couple of days, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, no, and that, that's a great point. It's just how mature this, this protocol is, right? That uh, you still can find vulnerabilities no matter how many eyes have been on code, right? And, and, and you know, how long something is, has, been, uh, has been out there. So that's, a, that's an excellent point. So Jaime, uh, you have a story on this ECANS ransomware that affects industrial control systems. Yeah, so you know this Ecans ransomware has been making the rounds lately, and it has affected a, a bunch of high-profile targets. Uh, you know, there is like this big uh, car manufacturer from from uh, Japan, as well as some energy companies in South America, and you know data from from Palo Alto and others points that they are targeting a specific you know industrial companies. So. You know, the ransomware itself is not very complex, but the fact that it is aware of some of these ICS, uh, you know, industrial protocols make it uh, a, a very interesting piece of hardware to look at, basically because you want to keep an eye on these threat actors because you never know where, you know, uh, what they're going to do once they gain access to these type of companies. I mean, they, they go, uh, go from, uh, from ransomware to something, you know, more uh, nefarious. So yeah, this Ekans ransomware, uh, it, it was discovered at the end of 2019 and Dragos actually did a, a nice analysis back then around, around January uh, and they call it Snake, but it's important to know this is not the same uh, piece of malware Snake that is used by Turla. Uh, you know, it's it's a separated Snake. So then Dragos decided to just keep using Ekans because it's you know, backwards. If, if you use, if, if you read Z Snake, Backwards, it's, it's Ekans, right? So that's, that's how the name came out. Um, so so as, as I mentioned, I mean, the ransomware is really simple. It will, the first thing it does is list the processes that are running, and then it will kill a, a hard-coded list of processes. Anything new, it will kill antivirus software, it will, it will kill backup uh, software. So like, you know, the system is unable to backup before the ransomware is, is, is done. And then, um, you know, it will also look for a specific uh, pieces of software that are used in industrial environments. So this is the, the, the important, you know, interesting part uh, about this ransomware. So once this, it does this, it, it will do things like removing the volume shadow copy from Windows so that you cannot go back to that, uh, uh, you know, backup. And then another interesting part is, if you remember, most ransomwares will encrypt um, files and they, they they'll rename those files with a particular extension but in the case of ecans what it does is just generate a random extension that is five character, characters long in each of the files so it's it's harder to use that heuristic where you can you can look at you know ten thousand uh, file renames uh, in a short period of time so it, it's pretty clever also i didn't mention that the ransomware is is written in go uh, and this is you know, lately it's kind of trending, like you see more threat actors uh, writing malware in Go. And the advantage of doing that is like, you know, Go, it's, it's, it's an interesting language because, you know, you can compile that. And then uh, antivirus traditionally have, have had a, a, a harder time, you know, like analyzing these, uh, these executables that are, are, are produced from the Go compiler. So it, it, it adds a lot of, uh, a, little, a, a little bit of complexity when it comes to like analyzing those files. We, we haven't seen any propagation features that are in uh, the, the ransomware itself, right? If you remember 
WannaCry and others uh, will have some modules that allow them to, once they access uh, a network, try to move laterally in that network. We haven't seen that in, in this uh, piece of, of ransomware. We believe it's manually um, deployed. Uh, and actually, we have found a couple of files that are actually you know, this malware. And we have seen that those are likely the files that were used in these victims in Japan and South America, because you know when you execute those those samples in a in a sandbox, you see that they try to contact to an internal uh, domain from those companies. And we believe this is something, and you know others also believe this is something that the malware sample is doing to make sure that it's in that particular environment. Otherwise, it it wouldn't execute. In terms of uh, attack vectors, how the, the threat actor is deploying this in, in the network. We haven't been able to com to confirm anything, but there are rumors that they're actually exploiting exposed RDP remote desktop uh, uh, servers out there. And another company was able to confirm that bug victims actually had some RDP exposed servers on the internet. So that could be it where, you know, the threat actors are finding compromised credentials and are testing those credentials in this exposed RDP server. Um, and, you know, what can you do to avoid this? Uh, I mean, the obvious is patch your systems, don't expose uh, RDP uh, uh, to the internet, uh, don't reuse passwords, uh, you know, enable two-factor authentication, have a very, uh, very good backup strategy uh, that actually can prevent things like ransomware that is aware of backup solutions. We have seen ransomware uh, malware that actually is able to connect to the NAS and delete the backup. So you need to be careful when uh, you implement that that strategy. And then, you know, especially prioritize patching everything that is on the internet, right? We have seen runs, you know, threat actors that deploy ransomware exploiting vulnerabilities in Citrix, in Palo Alto, in Foreignet. And actually yesterday, Palo Alto just announced a new vulnerability uh, in, in, in Palo Alto that can be used to uh, you know, gain access without, you know, pre-authentication uh, and bypass the authentication. So it's very critical that companies patch that. I mean, that will be the, the first thing you can do to avoid this type of incidents. Yeah, I mean, great background. I mean, I, I was curious, and I forget if it said it necessarily in the article when you mentioned it, is, is how this is getting installed. Um, you know, whenever I see stories about these industrial control systems, I'm always curious, you know, are... Uh, are their IT systems getting compromised and then, and, you know, they're laterally moving to their OT systems. Um, but, you know, as you've seen, you know, there's, there's a lot of resources, you know, ICS systems that are just directly on the internet, right. Uh, unpatched, um, which, which are going to give, give them the, you know, their, their kind of jump point in. Um, I, I, and I was reading some of the other mitigations. I think they said it was, uh, it was unsigned. Um, right. So in some of these, some of these systems will, uh, will prohibit execution of unsigned binaries. Again, that just assumes that that's enabled, right? So it's like there's there's a recommended mitigations beyond, you know, kind of some of the best practices that, that maybe help with this. Um, yeah, in interesting. I mean, it, certainly ransomware is never good. Uh, and when you combine that with you know, potentially, uh, you know, control systems and, and plants, it uh, kind of goes to the next level. So yeah, in interesting story. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Michael, I heard you have a, a story about uh, Docker images that contain malware being distributed uh, in the Docker Hub. Yeah, yeah. So Palo Alto's Unit 42, which is their research team, um, 
they reported again that, yeah, like you said, they, they found some malicious Docker images hosted out in, in Docker Hub, which means they're available for, you know, kind of download by really anyone. Um, so they found this account. It's since been taken down. Uh, it was Azure NQL uh, that had a handful of repositories. Uh, I think it had six malicious images. Uh, they basically had this Monero cryptocurrency miner um, embedded in it. Um, had like a custom Python script, had proxy chains, uh, you know, utilized Tor to, uh, to anonymize. Um, but what's interesting is, is they had a stat that there was, they had found there were 2 million pools of that image. And one of the, I guess they had a wallet ID on those hard code. And then one of the scripts, uh, let's say earned about 36,000. So, you know, they, they got something from it. They also noticed uh, that, you know, there's, they're seeing an uptick in malware that's scanning for exposed Docker services, uh, servers. So uh, port 2375, uh, they're seeing a kind of uptick on that where these, uh, some malware uh, that's more DDoS focus is looking for these exposed unauthenticated Docker servers. They see what containers are running and then ultimately compromise and, and publish their own images. Um, you know, what we're seeing just generally Docker being more used, right, across the enterprise, um, certainly uh, out in the cloud. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more containers and Kubernetes-based based applications. Um, so it's, it's sort of this interesting new, I guess, attack surface uh, to take advantage of. It's a lot of, certainly if it's cloud-based, a lot of processing power um, that's available there. Uh, basically, they, they advise that, you know, if you're using Docker, uh, make sure you don't have those API ports exposed, that specific port, uh, close it down. Uh, and there's a bunch of best practices, right? If you're utilizing Docker, uh, certainly on, on the enterprise, um, you know, trusted sources, there's tools now that do repository scanning, image scanning. Um, so, you know, just, just kind of the, make sure that you're using a known image. Um, Cause if not, you're, 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 you're potentially pulling down all these various layers and you don't know what, you know, kind of what, uh, what software is embedded. Yeah, and if we if we have learned anything during these years is, you know, actors are, are gonna try to exploit everything that, that, that is new, right? If people are using containers, they are gonna go and 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 figure out how to exploit that, right? So and um, the funny thing is sometimes, you know, technology evolves so fast that before we even secure things, people are, are already uh, using them, right? So it's it's important that if you are using a new technology, you, you spend the time understanding the technology, understanding how you can mitigate some of, of these uh, risks that you may not even be aware of. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a great point. I mean, especially things that are new, we see users that maybe go follow a tutorial on how to deploy a cluster and it works, okay, I'm gonna deploy it. And it, like you said, there's no no section on, no fine print on security. So, you know, you have gateways exposed, you have ports exposed, maybe authenticated, unauthenticated, and, you know, uh, that's just just a recipe for exploit, right? Because it's, you know, probably before, you know, your developers understand the technology, the the bad guys understand it, right? And what they go look for, because it's, it's a smaller surface. So yeah, it's great point is, yeah, understanding you know, the technology you're deploying, especially the speed today, you know, with cloud adoption, how easily you can and quickly you can deploy an application, you need to understand um, kind of the best practices around that technology. Yeah, and I, I remember looking at a, at a recent, fairly recent incident where they were they were using something similar there, but they will use typo squatting in, in Docker images. Uh, so, you know, they will create a very similar looking 
uh, name of of an image that you know if if you just try to type that and, and you missed one letter then you will install the wrong uh, in this case it was python packages but i think i have seen something similar with the docker images as well the views expressed on at&t threat track are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of at&t or any other person or entity